This is episode 252 of Bella in Your Business. Hi there, I'm Bella Vasta from Jump Consulting. You might know me from CBS, NBC, Fox, Huffington Post, Entrepreneur, or maybe you've seen me speak on stage or read my book, The Four Dogs That Every Business Owner Needs. In any case, get ready because you're about to get your hashtag Bella butt kicking in this next episode of Bella in Your Business. So what do you say? Let's get ready and jump. Welcome, jumpers, to today's episode. Today's episode is very, very important. It is something that I've actually had a lot of conversations with you guys recently where you have been saying to me, like, how do I get all my leads organized? How do I land more leads? How do I understand how many miles my people are driving? How do I streamline the communications so that we are never missing anything happening when someone sends us a journal And we lost a $1,000 booking because I did not see that message come through. Guys, there is so much muck going out there. There is so much muddy waters of people's systems and softwares. And a lot of softwares are actually working against my clients. My clients are wanting to do things one way, but their system is bucking against them. And so friends, this is when you take, you take a step back and you honestly say, am I molding my business to the software company that I'm currently paying because I'm too afraid to switch? Or do I actually understand what my most important things are with my business, my growth and my expansion and get a software that helps helps assist that. Guys, I got news for you. A lot of the popular ones are actually working against my clients. And once they've realized this and made the switch and made the flip, things have skyrocketed. In today's episode, we're going to talk about choosing a pet sitting software that is going to help support your business and support your growth rather than work against you. So tune in, get ready. This is going to be an awesome, awesome episode. Today, I've got Kristen Young with me. You guys, I saw her post in one of my groups, one of the free groups I have, Jumpstart Your Pet Business. If you're not in there already, go ahead and jump on in there. But I saw her post about something really interesting, something that we don't often talk about on this podcast. So I wanted to bring her on to kind of share her knowledge. Have you ever wanted to either A, get software or B, switch software, but just seem to get completely paralyzed in all of the decision-making process that could be? Maybe you've trialed all 10, 15, 20 of them, and you're just still stalling out and it's been months and months and months. Well, today we're going to blow the lid off of it. And Kristen's going to give you some awesome tips on how to actually choose a pet sitting software and bring you through her, what I call scientific process. But before we get started, I want you to know who Kristen is. After 20 years in corporate real estate business, Kristen woke up one day realizing she wanted more ownership over her time and escape the common cubicle. I call it cubicle jail. (laughs) With two young kids and a supportive husband, she began the search for an income model where she could manage, grow, and love. And in January 2019, just recently, she decided to buy not one, but two cat-sitting companies in the Bay Area with the intent to merge them together as a single business. With a passion for business, a love for animals, and an affinity for cat puns, Kristen used her inner geek to make a data-driven decisions in her cat business and increase processes that allowed her to start stepping out of the day-to-day operations and spend more time working on her business than in her business. So gosh, you guys, after that kind of intro, you know that this is a woman after my own heart, someone working on her business and making data-driven decisions. Without further ado, welcome to the show, Kristen. Oh, thanks, Bella. Great introduction. Appreciate it. 
I'm so happy to have you here. Why don't you fill in the gaps there a little bit and just give our listeners a little bit of a background of why you got started and how's it been going for the past year? Absolutely. So the last year has been a crazy ride for me. But a very exciting one, too. Like you mentioned, I kind of came into this and I wasn't specifically looking for a cat sitting business. But one of the things that I had listed that I wanted to look for when I started looking for a business was something to do with animals or pets, right? So this kind of really rose to the top of it. I think that the pet industry business is really beautiful. I think there's a lot of great things about it. Um, I also think that people love their pets so much. There's a lot of opportunity for growth in this business, too. So when I finally found that there were not one, but two cat sitting businesses on the market at the exact same time, I was like, oh, that is a really interesting opportunity. So I crunched a bunch of different numbers, made an offer and somehow managed to close on both of them at the same time. So needless to say, I come from a corporate environment. And because of that, I think there's a lot of advantages that I have. But the one thing I had to do over this past year was learn the pet industry, which was the most important thing. So that became a really crazy ride. I made sure I leaned on a lot of people. I made sure I leaned on my staff. I made sure I brought a lot of people along with me that could really help me learn about the pet industry as well, too. That's kind of critical in like any business that you go. The first six months were really insane. And then I finally went through this process. I got everything merged. One of the major points of that merger between those two companies was selecting the right system because that was what was going to allow me to operate the most efficiently. So that became kind of a really big, important thing, which really led to this conversation that we're having today too, about how do you approach a really big, complicated decision like that and not get caught up on all that minutia and detail that a lot of people do too, and kind of go into that analysis paralysis environment that a lot of us tend to go into. And so making sure that I have a really clearly defined process, I understand what my steps are and I understand what I want to do. And I set timelines against those is really important for accomplishing those goals. So that's kind of what brought us here today. That makes sense. Any other questions? Girl, you are so good. Goals with timelines. That is exactly what it takes you guys, because when you don't have those timelines, that's when this can get to become a very cumbersome process where you just get overwhelmed and buried by it. You know, you have to get a date to mm, or get off the pot. Okay. (laughs) I really think I really want to make this an explicit podcast, but I try hard not to. Okay. So Kristen, what drove you to decide to switch software companies or actually begin a new software? Because I'm sure when you acquired two businesses, they were run very differently and you have to kind of merge them together and kind of create a larger vision, right? So tell me about why did they both already have softwares? Did one and not work and what wasn't for you? Yeah. So actually I think that was an an advantage for me getting to know the market and the environment is buying these two different ones. And I'm going to tell you something, they were managed very, very differently. One was very client facing, had a great interface, had a, had a system that was really great on the client facing end, but that manager tend to manage their business, like micromanage their business. And they did everything from running keys back and forth to every single sitter to like not letting them communicate with clients, things like that. And the other one also had a system. And that system wasn't as good on the client-facing side, but had a lot more capability on the management side. That owner also managed it very differently where they had full employees. The other one had 
independent contractors had full employees and they trusted their sitters and they allowed them to do a lot of things like communications, understood what they were doing. So I got these two very different perspectives and I got to balance those two, which was super useful. On the system side, I would say that I was very lucky. Both of them selected probably two of the large, two of what I would call like the three or four largest ones out there. And they had selected two of them. So I had experience working in both of two of these large systems and could kind of do a compare and contrast between them, which is really what led me down this path of like, I need to do like a really in-depth RFP process, right? I think for anybody, I knew that this was probably one of the most single important things about my business that was going to make it run more efficiently. It also, and even if like, I think whether you are a solo pet sitter and you're out there hustling on your own, and if you have make $50,000 a year to if you have 20, 40, 60 staff members, I think this decision on your system and your software is very important for efficiency and allowing yourself to step back a little bit and allow yourself to work on your business. So I knew it was super important decision, which is why I decided to kind of go down this process of what we're going to call an RFP. I once heard someone say to me, run your business like it's a multi-billion dollar corporation. It doesn't matter how big or how small you are. Run it like a multi-billion corporation did. So I like to think of Apple every time. I'm like, would Apple do this? How would Apple manage this process? What would Apple do? And of course, there's like different levels that you can spend on that given a small business versus a large corporation, but still try to create the same processes along it, which is what kind of led me down this path of like an RFP or a request for proposal. I had been through these in my corporate environment, which was very lucky for me. So I knew the outline on kind of how to get started on it. Does that answer your question? It totally does. There was a point that you made a little while ago. And I mean, we could do a whole podcast on this, the whole compare and contrast between if you trust your sitters versus not trusting your sitters and how that affects your operations and your procedures. And oh my gosh, your sleep at night, I'm sure. That was really interesting to me. And I want to touch on that at a later date, but that was such a good point, you guys. And if you're listening right now, I want you to think about, do my systems support or reject the fact that I trust my sitters? Does it show that I trust them? Okay. Because I think a lot of us, all of us are control freaks, which is why I say everyone should have employees. That's another story too. But it's like, you know, if you trust your sitters, you're going to run your operations a lot differently. But I also love the RFP request for proposal. And your mindset reminds me a lot of the book club we're doing right now, which is the E-Myth Revisited, you know, and it talks about being able to have everything run so that someone else can come in it. So all of this stuff, you guys, you thought you were talking about software today, but she is dropping (laughs) awesome mindset nuggets that I'm so glad someone else is saying it because I sometimes feel like when mom says it, like you don't listen, someone else comes on. So girl, you are hitting it out of the park. (laughs) I want to continue this though. And I want to stay on the subject because that's what we promised our listeners, but you might have to come back to talk about a couple of things. How did you come up with your method? So you said that you were a little bit familiar with it because of your corporate background before, but tell us how you came up with the method for here. So the methodology for a request for proposal, I'm going to try to keep it as simple as possible. Yeah. Uh, No matter what, a request for proposal is just a fancy business way of saying, which company do I want to go with? And you can apply this to like any decision that you make. and credit cards, payroll, anything. Yep anything. Just say, what company do I want to do? And the importance on the decision you're making probably should go hand in hand with how much time and effort you spend on it too, right? So this one, I'm going to give you a little bit longer of a process that I went through because of how important it was to me. 
So I think there are two things that you need in a request for a proposal, okay? I'm going to excuse the crazy business lingo, but you're going to want a Gantt chart. And we'll kind of break down what that is in a little bit, but you're going to want a Gantt chart. It's basically a plan. It's a fancy way of saying a plan, right? With timelines against it. And the other thing you're going to want is an evaluation criteria. Okay. Those two things you can create on your own. You can do it on a whiteboard if you want. I, for those of you who will see this, I have a big whiteboard in my background that I always mark everything. You guys on. can do this with employees too, while you're hiring yeah. too. So keep this in mind for everything in your business, even though we're just talking software. Yeah, absolutely. And, but you can do those two things. I like to do them on Excel. Okay. I don't like to use fancy software. I think some of them are a little bloated with technology. Some of them are good, but I like to do both of those just on a simple Excel sheet. Okay. Yeah. Um, a Gantt chart, let's start with the first one, which is a Gantt chart, which is your plan of action. So you got columns and you got rows. Every column should be a time frame, right? I like to do mine in weeks. So I'll have week one starting five one. The next column will be week two starting five eight right? Can I do math in my head? Apparently a little bit. And then you just keep going down the line and say, how long is this going to take you? Okay. I also like to work backwards. And I will tell you, my timeline always changes as I go through this process. And I start actually thinking about it and giving myself a framework to think about Mm -hmm. it. I go and say, hey, initially, I'm going to tell you, I wanted to merge my company. I started this process in April and I wanted to merge them by, I think initially June was my first goal when I really started this process. And I'm going to tell you that actually got pushed back to September. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but that's because I started here and I said, well, if I want to get to here, then I'm going to have to start going down these steps. And that's where the rows in the spreadsheet come in, right? And you say, what are your steps? And I'll kind of give you an outline of like the six basic steps that I had in mind, which might give you a, a framework to start with. But I started and I said, okay, I want to complete this by mid-June, right? Before like the big summer rush for cat sitting. And I went down those things and I realized as I started to layer in all of those steps, as I started to put them in and why I like to do it on an Excel sheet is because I can easily move stuff, delete stuff, rearrange stuff a little bit easier than doing it like on a whiteboard. And as I started going down that, I was like, oh, I can't do this before this. Oh, I have to get these communications out before I can go send this out. Like I have to prep them. I have to do this. And as you kind of go through that process, I was like, oh, I've got to keep moving that timeline back until I get something more realistic. And I ended up doing both of them in September, right? Anyway, so back to the initial point, I have six major things that I kind of looked at. And my first thing that I always do whenever I make a decision is I do an environmental scale. And again, that's just a fancy way of saying what's out there. And Bella, in your introduction, you would actually said 5, 10, 20. What I kind of find a framework was like, there was about maybe 20-ish pet sitting softwares out there that I yep. found, like everything from like super tiny to like much larger ones. Yep. And you take those 20, you do just a quick environmental scan. And you should know in your gut what's important to you. Be like, what are the most important things to you? And because I wanted to scale, I knew that I could immediately eliminate like at least 10 to 12 and say, those things are too small. They're starting up. I'm not going to take the risk of having to switch my clients. Like that was a much scarier thing for me. So I knew I wanted to go with a larger company that had longevity that wasn't going to disappear like that. And there's no guarantees out there, but you know by side. Then the next thing you did after you did your environmental scan, and then you kind of narrow it down into a handful that you can really dig into. The next thing you do is you kind of look at those ones that you narrowed it down to and you say, now, 
I really want to find out what's most important to me and develop criteria against those, which kind of get over to that other spreadsheet that I create, which is what's my ranking and weighting criteria on these things, right? Something, an example I will give you, size was very important. I give you that example, my ranking and weighting criteria. Size was very important to me. I will tell you price was on there, but it was not very important to me because the price was fairly competitive between them. I found it scale. Like it wasn't like one was a thousand dollars more a month than the other, which would be impactful. They were within like a hundred or $150 a month of each other. Like it, it wasn't enough to really push me one direction or the other. One of the things that was really important to me was key management because a lot of them didn't have key management capabilities. And in cat sitting, we're constantly switching keys and hands and having that access is super duper important. I don't have one person who's always on the same set because our demand goes up and down so much. People have days off, we go back and forth. It's not quite as regular as regular like a dog setting example, right? Or dog walking example. So key management was super important. I weighted it really heavily. Once I had all of those criteria and I kind of did that, I then reached out to, I think I ended up with four or five that I actually reached out to and did a full interview with. And I looked at how their customer service was something that was on there that was on my ranking criteria too. Oh, sure. I sent those all out. And then I said, here are my list of questions. So they were all prepped. And I will tell you something. Two more were immediately revoked because they didn't even look at my list of questions. And they were like, and there were three of them that actually took the time to look through them and respond to them. And there were a lot of questions. It was a little overwhelming, but that told me something whether or not they responded to that. Mm-hmm. So I sent those out. I did those. We did interviews. We did full interviews with either four or five of them. I can't remember. And we did an hour and a half. We did a webinar and really dug into those ranking and those criteria that I put for every single one. I put them side by side in every column. I had a different company. And then my ranking criteria were on the rows. And each one was weighted differently. Like keys were weighted 80% because it was really important. And price was weighted 10% because it was less important. So someone that had really good pricing only got 10% of the weight. The next thing that we did after that was we really did our selection and implementation plan. So then I said, I went back to that Gantt chart and he said, okay, now that we made the selection, how do we implement from here on out and execute against that day that we had? I called that day D-Day for me because it was such a big deal. And I was like, D-Day team, are we ready to go? Yeah. Are you ready to go? We're going to pull the trigger. We're going to do this. And I had some backup plans in there. Like we operated the two systems simultaneously to like yeah. errors. But really that was how I approached that process. I love all of that. And so I'm sitting here taking notes because I'm working really hard on not interrupting my guests. And there was so much goodness in there. Now, if you're one of the listeners that are struggling with just the word spreadsheet and you turned off on that or Excel, I want to kind of phrase this to you guys a different way. First of all, it does not matter how many staff Kristen has, okay? What matters is her methodology. And I want to kind of break this down. And Kristen, feel free to jump in and interrupt me as well. But what I heard is, one, you started with the end in mind. So you figured out where do you want to go to, and then you reverse engineered it. I also heard that you narrowed it down on your own based off of your own matrix, your own things that were important to you. Okay, so I will stop you right there because it actually, I I probably use the word I a little bit too much there. I'm going to tell you, I leaned on my staff for that, okay? I did have things that were important, but I have some people that help me out that are very intelligent. And I was like, hey, can you help me with this? What do you think is most important? Yeah. I also went to my clients 
and ask mm-hmm. my clients what was important to them, which mm-hmm. also was pretty key in a lot of the decisions that I made a little bit in the software, not as much, but in a lot of the other decisions. So I didn't just do it on my own. I made sure I leaned on people that were more intelligent than me, more informed in the industry than me, right? I asked other pet sitters who had been in this a long time. Such a good point too, because I imagine when you bring your clients into it too, it's a little bit easier to get a buy-in from them when you're like, okay, this is our new system because they feel like they're a part of the process. And it also offers another way for you to touch them. I mean, I'm thinking from a marketing standpoint, another way to touch them and for them to understand, oh, this is the new owner and the new owners wants to know my opinion. It's not like she's a dictator who comes in and says, this is the way we're doing it. You know, Mm -hmm. that works for a lot of different reasons. And the fact that you asked educated questions, I think a lot of us, when we have this overwhelm, we're not quite sure what to say to these companies, whether it is software or credit card or payroll or HR or whatever it might be. And that takes really knowing who we are, what we want for our business, right? Because in order to do those questions, but you didn't just ask the questions because I think most of the questions people ask is, oh, can you do key management? Well, you already came to the table knowing what they could and couldn't do. So what you gathered from those meetings was so much more meaningful because you came educated, but not only educated with awesome questions, I really respect the fact that you also attached a weight onto each one of the categories of the questions that you had. So it wasn't just, again, another plethora. It was a scientific decision. You guys, I hope you're picking this up. And this might be an episode that you're going to want to reverse or listen to again, maybe when you're not driving or walking a dog and you can really take some notes. We're going to do our best to have awesome show notes for you here. But as we kind of wrap this up, Kristen, because we're kind of at the end of the time here, touch on really quick, like how long were these trials and are you happy with your choice? And what would be your best advice for a listener right now that says, you know what? I'm paralyzed. I hate my software company. It is the bane of my existence, but I just don't know what direction to start stepping in. What would you, I I just threw a lot at you. So how long was the trial? Are you happy with the choice? And what's your best advice? So how long it took, I kind of already touched on that a little bit, but I started in April. I ended up in September. It took me six months to do this. So Um, you literally had a trial going with each one of them for six whole months? No, no. That whole process from the point where I said, I want to start evaluating them to the point where I had D-Day and actually switched the system software. That Mm -hmm. took six months, a good six months to do that. If you go into this saying, I'm going to do it in one to two weeks, don't expect that because then you'll get overwhelmed. It's unrealistic, unrealistic goals. It might not take you six months. I was trying do a lot of things, maybe three months, but don't expect yeah. to do it in a week or two, like a big decision. Like yeah. That. Am I happy with my decision? I'm going to say, yes, I am happy with my decision. I ended up coming down to two different software systems. And let's be honest, I came down to Precise Pet Care or Time to Pet, two of the larger ones out there. Yep. I'm trying to decide between those two. And I'm happy with the decision I made. But I think that as an industry, this software has a long ways to go yet. It does. Up to us, and it gets to the second point of that question too, Bella, as company owners and pet sitters, to push them to say, hey, we're expecting more of you. We want you to develop. We need you guys to start doing that. It's going to take constant communication with your software company, right? I'm happy with the one I chose because it has a pretty responsive customer service. And they said they were willing to listen to their constituents and their people and their clients, right? They said they were willing to listen. And because of that, like they are working on their, one of my biggest veins is their communication. I ended up choosing Precise Pet Care. And their communication is really difficult. And because I trust my sitters... I want my sitters to be able to communicate with the clients and ask their own questions without me being a middleman in there. 
Right. Yeah. And that's really hard to do in that system. But they said, Hey, we will work that into our plan. We get it. We're listening to you and they're working on it. I've been told that they're actually working on the communication, kind of making it a lot better and more manageable. Time to Pet had a much better client interfacing to me. I thought that it was really beautiful from a client's perspective, but I didn't end up choosing them because that wasn't as important to me at the time. And I think that the other one can get there, right? So based on the decision that I made, I am happy with it, but I still think we got a long ways to go. And as pet sitters, it's our responsibility to push them and talk to them and make them go in the direction that we need to go. And let me break that down too and translate that for a second here. It's what I hear you saying, correct me if I'm wrong, is it's communication versus complaining. Complaining isn't going to get you anywhere. We need to communicate Yep. unemotionally, scientifically, I, I think you would say, <laughs> and, and clearly, you know, and, yeah. and consistently, if we want to see change, because I think there's too much complaining going on out there. It's like yes. part of the solution, not the problem, right? I agree. So what I advice, agree. is that the advice you would give people or is there, what advice would you give to people mm-hmm. listening right now? No, that's the exact advice that I would give is communicate with your software company openly honestly. Be positive about the things you like so they don't let go of them and say, hey, listen, I think that this is going to be a better company because this is what I hear my clients say. Not just, oh, I want to be able to have this button here, right? Because it's, I don't like where it's at. But say, hey, listen, my clients have said that because they can't find this button, then they're not booking as much, which could lead to like a downstream effect on you guys too. So it's about honest, open communication understanding why you want something changed and communicating that to the company as well. Super. I'm not sure if our listeners just heard my dog go nuts. The Amazon guy must be here. Kristen, (laughs) you are absolutely amazing. Uh, Where can people go cyberstalk you? Check out your business or get more of you. You're inside our groups, right? Yeah. Yeah. I'm inside the groups. I'm inside the jump consulting group. You can go to preciousfur.com, which is my cat sitting company. You can reach out to me on Facebook. Feel free. I love that. And I think it's also very inspiring for others to know that cat businesses do succeed. Cat businesses are great. Yes, you are in the Bay Area and it might not work necessarily in like a rural, you know, Iowa town, but they can work and they can be successful. You guys, this has been another episode of Bella in Your Business. We would love to know what takeaways you had. So go ahead and tag me or tag Kristen or find out where you saw the post of this and tell us your biggest takeaway or feel free to ask questions. I'm sure Kristen seems very, very knowledgeable and friendly and that she would hit you back there. In the meantime, you guys remember if life gets you down, always keep jumping. So what did you think? Did you love this episode? I sure hope you did because I put a lot of love into this for you. Uh, The best way you can show me that is by going to iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you listen to your podcast and go ahead and leave a review. I just might read it on the next episode. I also want to remind you that when life gets you down, remember to always keep jumping. Thanks for listening.